Welcome to Beyond the Newsroom. I'm Crystal Chavez. And I'm Renata Sago. This is a space and place for independent journalists, freelancers, those telling stories outside the realm of a traditional newsroom. And in this time of COVID-19, that includes so many more journalists than we anticipated when we launched this project. Exactly. Today's episode is about mental health. What are you doing to protect and care for yourself while covering this pandemic? Yeah, our guest is Carrie Cobham. She's Senior Associate Director of the Rosalind Carter Fellowships for Mental Health Journalism and Media at the Carter Center. So get this, she started a Twitter thread on mental health and COVID-19. And it's been growing. It's been growing, growing. And she's got related reporting and resources, a lot of things for people to be able to look at and get some real help. Yeah, she said she started tweeting out CDC guidelines for caring for your mental health. And then it just became this true labor of love and has helped her feel a sense of purpose in this difficult time. I think what we see a lot of is that people feel burnt out because the news cycle even before the virus happened, was just so relentless. And then this happened. And so it's not just affecting our professional lives, but it's affecting personal lives. And when you're just that deep in it all the time and you have no idea how things are going to go, not just within your newsroom and your industry and your job, but also people you care about, that's a really tough thing to do. And you're talking to people who are sick people who have lost loved ones, you're seeing difficult images and scary data every day. And that has its impact. And after a while, you just, you start to shut down, you're tired. And, and then the burnout comes. Yes, the burnout. I mean, this comes as journalists have faced layoffs. We've got people experiencing furloughs, indefinite furloughs and closures. You know, Cobham says, understand that this is ongoing coverage. It's going to take its toll and just really give yourself the space and the time to feel that. If you weren't affected by it, that's when I would be worried. So instead of comparing yourself to the people who are actually going through some more extreme circumstances, just give yourself the space to feel how you feel. The coverage isn't going to stop, as you said. So Carrie says you need to consciously unplug from the news for a certain period of the day. Go take a walk. Look at family photos or fluffy animals. FaceTime someone you love. Do some meditation. Definitely make sure that you're getting enough sleep. Do not let the coverage be the last thing that you look at or that you think about before you go to sleep. Try to ramp down the day so that you can get some rest. Oh, meditation. Yes, yes. She says, find a coworker to talk to who understands what you're going through. Try teletherapy. That's one thing she says. We're in the middle of a crisis. We don't know exactly when it's going to end. There's only so much we have control over. The world as we know it is changing and is going to change. And um, some days are going to be tough. And we just need to know that. And and allow ourselves to feel that. And some days are going to be okay and hold on to the good things. Renata, one thing that fascinated me about our conversation is Cobham's interested to see what happens when we get on the other side of this. 
Will it change the way newsrooms operate? I've worked in TV. I have friends in TV whose companies have shipped them equipment to set up a home studio so they can continue to appear on air instead of having to go on set. And it makes you realize all the things that weren't allowed before that's now possible. And it really sets the precedent for more flexible workflows. Wow. Talk about beyond the newsroom. <laughs> exactly. We talked about what this could mean for journalists who are parents of little ones like her or who are chronically ill like me for the quality of life of everyone who does this work. OK, yeah, that's real. So how do you think more flexibility in time out of the news would have affected you? Just thinking back to when we were both working in the same space in Orlando. Yeah, I, w I mean, I felt like I was tied to that place as a host. But as you see, hosts don't have to be tied to studio, wh whatever, you know. I feel like it could have helped, too, because I would have been away from some of the microaggressions that can happen in a newsroom, some of the egos that can happen in a newsroom. I could have just been at home with my puppies, but still doing the work I love, but getting away from some of the toxicity. Yeah, that's that's real. That's such a that's such a powerful point too. I mean, because the space there was also the time frame too. Like you were hosting a, a show that had a specific time slot and so to be out in the field was was kind of impractical. Right. But like I said, hosts are hosting from home. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. Have you have you seen some of the pictures? Yeah, people are tweeting. I mean, these are commercial radio hosts. They are public radio hosts. And they've totally redefined. I know uh, Jimmy, was it Jimmy Fallon? He he was hosting from home. We've seen Wendy Williams. What about you, Renata? You're already doing TV news from home, right? Well, I had done uh, an episode of this talk show. It's a journalist panel uh, that airs on the PBS station in Orlando. I had done that maybe a couple of weeks ago, and they were really cautious. They had the journalists sit six feet apart from each other. So a few days later, I get an email from the producer, and she says, look, we're basically going to be taking the show out of studio and going virtual with it. So that's completely redefined, I think, from the show's perspective, what kind of access that they have to journalists. It frees up, um, you know, you just get more information, more expertise. I haven't been on that show since it was in the studio. But what I have noticed in terms of mental health and just working from home for maybe the past, wow, I think it's been a couple of years now, is that... I am able to establish my own flow. I'm able to take time to meditate and just process things much better than I would have in a, in a newsroom. So in our first Zoom webinar, you mentioned you left the newsroom for your mental health. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, so I left for some of the reasons that I said, which are some of the isms that even happen in NPR stations, sexism, racism, um, but also the nature of what we were covering, um, politics amid anti-Mexican rhetoric in the nation. And um, covering the Pulse mass shooting affected me more than I knew it would. And long term, I know because I have those dreams that I'm in a mass shooting. And we, we got the counselors 
at the station, I think you pushed for that, and I really needed it at the time, and I was grateful for that. So I know that I can't imagine what reporters are going through right now, just being scared for their own health and the health of their families, that, um, as Carrie said earlier, is going to take a toll on you, and you need to process that. And maybe being at home is good for people to give them space to do that. That's that's powerful. I mean, so what were the some of the ways that you dealt with that trauma, so to speak, when you were in the newsroom dealing with mass shootings and all of those, the rhetoric, et cetera? I don't think I had healthy coping mechanisms, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, a lot of journalists drink. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. would go home and drink and watch some music videos and try to escape, but that... Yeah, mm-hmm. escape is good. Drinking mm-hmm. is not. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I could have done more counseling, more meditation, which I'm doing more of the guided meditation now. And I um, I was starting to then, um, but I see how powerful it can be when you really wake up with that and go to sleep with um, with some meditation. So... How did life in the newsroom affect your mental health and how did you cope? Well, you really, I mean, we covered the Pulse nightclub shooting, so that was major. The I remember getting that text from our news director basically saying, hey, you know, we need you out in the field. We need you at the blood banks. So as soon as it happened, it was pretty much you have to go and you have to respond. Journalists are some of the first responders. I was talking to people who witnessed their loved ones die. I was attending funerals. And I think, I mean, do you remember, Crystal, the conversation that we had about thinking about our legacy? I remember going to a funeral. This guy, he ran in front of a girl and he ended up being shot and killed. He was protecting her and just attending that funeral. It got me to thinking a lot about my existence and if I was really doing the things that I, I wanted to do. So it was just a lot. I mean, the, the coverage marking one year since the post nightclub shooting happened. I mean, you're covering the the trauma and then you're reliving it. You're reliving it vicariously through the people you interview. What I did. Oh, gosh. And then there were the Black Lives Matter protests. There was just the Trump rallies. I mean, I remember being pushed by uh, an interview subject and also just having these odd experiences of of clear inequities in how the police department was handling my interviews over white um white journalists in the newsroom and sort of reporting my concerns to the news director at the time and not feeling supported. So I went to therapy. I started going to therapy. I think there was an employee assistance program, EAP. I think you had like maybe three to five sessions for free. I started seeing a counselor and continued, which helped. That's good. That was a really healthy way to cope. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I will say about that is, it's just about your life in general, too. It's it's the newsroom and it's just how much weight are you, how much, how do I say this? Um, 
just like, where are you? Are you around your family? You know, do you have community? Are you creating community for yourself? Are you establishing balance in your life? These are some of the issues that we navigate as journalists. But yeah, I mean, I shout out to Zumba. Um, that helped me a lot too. And it's it's a journey to this day of of meditation and prayer and creating community. I hear you. Um, I remember when you were talking about Pulse, it was the dreams. It was also you start feeling guilty for having your feelings because you know people have been through worse. And that was something Uh Carrie addressed earlier was don't compare yourself to the people in more extreme because we talk to the people who are most directly affected. And then I think there's a little bit of guilt for feeling your feelings. Like, why am I feeling this way? I didn't lose a loved one. But we need to just accept that we are, um, can be, um, what is it, be empaths in the newsroom. Like some people are a little bit more, a little bit more cold and objective, but I'm an empath. And so I need to realize that after I do a heavy interview, I need to give myself time to process it and feel how I feel and not feel guilty about it. That's so true. I mean, you are an empath. And I think that's what makes your storytelling and a lot of other journalists storytelling so compelling, the ability to truly listen, listen beyond what people are saying, but also seeing, you know, seeing their story and being able to process it and package it in a way that's relatable to the public. It's a gift and it does require that. I mean, I'm thinking back as you were talking, I'm like, there was a period I was not feeling even comfortable to be in public spaces. I remember having Beyonce tickets, like concerts, concert, Beyonce concert tickets. And I didn't go. I didn't go. (laughs) I gave my ticket away because I was afraid. Like covering the Pulse nightclub shooting, it just warped my view of public interaction. And I think that's something that a lot of people may end up dealing with, with COVID-19, just unlike themselves in relation to others. Are you too close to me? Are you going to give me a virus? Stuff like that. It's real. I didn't know you gave away those Beyonce tickets, girl. But <laughs> I did I did remember that you, that Cardi B was coming to Orlando. Did you end up going to that concert? <laughs> I did go to the Cardi B concert with a couple of other journalists. And they are the reason why I went. Like I told them, I was like, look, I've been going through a situation where I'm a bit afraid to be in public. And they were like, we got you. Just come. And I had a good time. Cardi tossed dollar bills um, out into the crowd. I still have a dollar bill from that. That is so awesome. How did I not know this? (laughs) Yeah, but you you, um, were really good about taking walks. That's something I very much noticed about you when we worked in a newsroom. You were able to go into the studio Sometimes earlier, if a situation had happened, you would, you know, intentionally create space for yourself to process. You did that, too. I saw it. Listen, 
there's a lot of stuff that we can learn from from Carrie Cobham's resources. So you can find Carrie Cobham's wealth of mental health resources and stories by following at Carter Fellows on Twitter. She tweets from at Carrie Writes. Yes, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Renata Sago, R-E-N-A-T-A-S-A-G-O, and at Crystal R. Chavez. Stay healthy, everyone, and safe. And as always, feel free to email us anytime at doyouhoney at gmail.com. Yes, thank you. This jam is Picante by Sonato from BeatStars.com.